0: So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we read these words beginning in verse 16. It says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as I have been praying, so I pray one last time that you would speak through me, Lord, your truth and your words. Uh, Your word says that the flesh profits nothing. And so I ask, Father, that anything that has originated from my flesh, anything that I might, might speak from my flesh will fall quickly, Lord. I pray that your holy, beautiful, sovereign word, your truth, will shine through and will be what people hear this morning. And I ask you, in the name of Jesus, your Son, Amen. Well, uh, what a joy and an honor and privilege it is to address you this morning. Um, Am I on? Can you hear me? Before I begin, let me just let you know uh, to kind of set your expectations that um, my target, my goal this morning is to uh, limit my remarks to about 20 minutes. Um, And I'm going to really try hard uh, to do that. I I know that uh, we've got children here. And, um, you know, they can't sit for very long, and uh, so that's my goal. The last time that I spoke, uh, I clocked in at just under one hour and five minutes. <laughs> so I'm going to try to swing the pendulum completely the other direction and land over here, and then maybe the third time's a charm, and I'll, and I'll hit it right. So that's my goal this morning, and I'm going to watch the clock. Uh, before I begin in earnest, I wanted to just give you a little bit of uh, a quick background story. Uh, two weeks ago... Um, uh, I volunteered to be in the preaching rotation, and Pastor Mark was like, awesome. One week ago, at the end of last week's streaming service, when service was over, Pastor Mark said, what are you going to uh, preach on? And I told him, and he said, that sounds great. And I told Sherry as well, she said, that sounds great. That was Sunday. Monday morning, I was hit by an incredible, unbelievable sense of discouragement. And I couldn't shake it. And it lasted all day, and it was paralyzing. And at the end of the day, I went to bed thinking, okay, tomorrow is another day. Got up the next day, Tuesday, same thing. I could not shake it all day long. Went to bed Tuesday night. Wednesday morning, got up, and I was desperate. And um, I had made up my mind that I was going to call Pastor Mark and say, I don't know what to do here uh, because uh, there, there were three possibilities. One was that I was not supposed to be preaching this Sunday. The second one is that I was supposed to be preaching this Sunday, but I had selected the wrong topic and I needed to change it. And the third possibility was that I was supposed to preach, I had selected the correct topic, and I needed to press through. As it turns out, that was the correct answer. Um, and when I reached that point, the Lord just lifted me out of that, and things begin to flow, and I begin to be able to prepare for this Sunday. Now, the reason that I tell you that is because the topic that I had selected was discouragement and encouragement, and you may think, well, that was a cruel irony. Um, But I know that that was the Lord saying to me this is not academic. If you're going to preach on something, you're going to understand it. You're going to experience it. And so I know that that was Him preparing me for the reality of what I was going to say this morning. And so I'm grateful to the Lord that that I went through that. It was no fun at the time. But I know that it was was His hand. So um, what exactly is discouragement? Uh, that may seem like a superfluous question. Uh, every single one of you has experienced it. You know what it is, uh, but it's in the dictionary. And so uh, I looked it up, and I was really surprised to see that the way it's defined um, is actually in a negative sense and, and not in the way that you would think. What I mean by that is that it is defined as a lack or a deficiency of something. It is a lack or a deficiency of courage or hope or confidence it's not the presence of something that should not be there it is the absence of something that should be there that's what discouragement is uh and uh there uh, are many synonyms uh for discouragement uh for example to be disheartened is one of them um, a lot of people are shaking their head that's awesome to be dismayed to be to be perplexed um, if if uh, if it's severe enough to be depressed, in fact, discouragement can be a precursor to, or an introduction to, or the early stages of depression. Um, and if it's bad enough, um, despair, where you just actually despair uh, of even life itself. Um, we know what this is, don't we? So that's 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 the definition. Um, so, so what are some of the causes of discouragement in our lives? And certainly there probably are a lot more than, than uh, what I'm going to be uh, outlining for you today, but I have a couple that I just want to talk about. Um, and uh, the first one is probably the, the, the most difficult one uh, for me uh, to talk about. In, uh, in uh, Colossians 3 and also in Ephesians uh, 6, um, as I was studying this, I was struck that in the ESV version of the Bible, the word discouraged as an adjective to, that defines a state of being, a person who is discouraged. In the ESV, in the English, uh, it is transla- it, it occurs one time, exactly once. This Greek word is only there once. Now, there are many synonyms, Other places, but the word discouraged as a state of being only occurs once. Now, if you're a student of the Bible, you know that there are two times when you really stand up and pay attention. One is when a word occurs a lot. When you see something happen a lot uh, or, or mentioned a lot, stand up and take notice. And the other time is when it only happens once, when it's very rare. And as it turns out... This one occurrence of the word discouraged, it's very surprising here. You will never guess who it is that is being spoken of. It is our children. It says in Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, lest they become discouraged. Discouraged. It's a very sobering warning here. Um, to, to kind of frame this for you, uh, what, what, what this is talking about here is, is a dad uh, who is, is uh, given to anger, or who is uh, given to um, uh, the child feeling like they can never satisfy them. Um, and the reason that this is so this is so uh, ironically discouraging is because. It is the dad that is the reason that the child is discouraged. Let me kind of frame this for you uh, from uh, my own life. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had a, uh, I was in a dream job. It was a different position than I'm in now, and I loved my job. I, I loved what I did. I went to work every day, looked forward to it. My coworkers were awesome. My boss was awesome. His boss was awesome. It was a dream job, um, and uh, I loved it. And then abruptly and suddenly, there was a change in leadership. And you know what happens, right? The leadership really sets the tone for the atmosphere. And things began to deteriorate. And uh, it became very toxic. And people, my coworkers, started jumping ship. They were actually leaving. And we found out later there was another department that had started taking bets on who was next. That's how bad it was. And I was becoming very discouraged. But I also felt a sense of loyalty. And I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. Am I supposed to stay? Am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? And I couldn't make up my mind. And so one day, uh, I, was, uh, I overheard my boss, who was a really great guy, And the guy who was his boss, who was the the problem, was speaking to him. And I overheard him. And this guy said to my boss, and I quote here, and I'll clean it up. I cannot tell you how to do it right. But I can sure the bleep tell you when you do it wrong. My decision was made. That's what this is talking about. A father who treats their kids like that. A father who says, who essentially is communicating to his children, there's nothing you can do to please me. That's discouraging. Causes them to lose heart. Um, another possible reason to be discouraged is just recompense. That is to say that you are responsible for someone else's discouragement, and you, therefore, are justly recompensed with discouragement. Um, To discourage means actually to, uh, looking at the dictionary again, to to deprive someone or to withhold from them courage or hope or confidence. Uh, you, You are able to... Give them courage, hope, and confidence, and you deprive them of it. And therefore, you can become discouraged. As uh, Galatians 6 says, Don't deceive yourselves. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. So that's another possible reason that you could be discouraged. Matthew 5, uh, Jesus, if you remember, said, if you go to the altar and you bring a gift and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. Go be reconciled to your brother first, then come back and give your offering. Um, another possible reason for discouragement is that it could be self-inflicted. Um, and I'm thinking specifically here of unrealistic expectations. Um, that's a phrase that's very familiar to us um, i think that that, kind of, that phrasing it that way kind of blunts it a little i prefer unreal expectations or maybe even imaginary expectations our our society is actually given to hopes and dreams and if you if your expectations are unreal unattainable imaginary then you're going to be discouraged when you don't attain those Proverbs 17 says, "The discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth." The way that we would maybe say that is, "The eye the, a fool has his head in the clouds," or "Or, or a fool has stars in his eyes." Proverbs 4:25 says, as a command. Let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be straight in front of you. Ecclesiastes 2, first half of verse 14 says, the wise person has his eyes in his head. Not unrealistic expectations, not hopes and dreams, but truth. What is real? What is reality? Jesus, remember, said, uh, don't worry about tomorrow tomorrow. Uh, every day has enough trouble of its own. Another possible cause of discouragement could be Christian ministry. Remember Paul said in Second Corinthians, We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Now, I know we're here as families this morning, so I'm going to speak judiciously. But here's what that says. Paul was saying, we were so despairing that we wished we were fill in the blank. That's how bad it was. And last of all, as a catch-all, just life itself, right? I mean, we know that. Just life itself can cause us to be discouraged. Okay, so now that I've brought you down here, let's see if we can climb out of this pit. So the next question is, and I think I'm going to make my target here, what do we do about it? Well, the first thing is that we accept and embrace that we are not immune. It's just going to happen. There is no vaccine There is no inoculation. There's nothing that we can do to exempt ourselves from becoming discouraged. We must accept and embrace that fact. But we can minimize it. I asked myself, I wondered, if Jesus himself was ever discouraged. And and in my study, um, I never found a scripture that explicitly stated it that way, but there were plenty of scriptures that implied it. And I want to share four of them with you this morning. Um, Isaiah 53, very familiar passage here. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. That Hebrew word there, acquainted, is not uh, how we use the word acquaintance where oh it's somebody I kind of sorta know. That that Hebrew word means that intimately acquainted. It means that, man, he knows. What that means is he knows exactly what grief is. He experienced it. Remember that incident in the synagogue on the Sabbath day when there was the man with the withered hand and they were watching Jesus to see if he would heal on the Sabbath and the scriptures say that he looked around at them in fierce anger grieved at their hardness of heart. He knows what it is to be grieved and discouraged. Probably the most poignant passage uh, that uh, I've ever read um, is when, uh, as far as discouragement in Jesus is concerned, is, is that uh, time when um, his disciples could not cast out the demon from someone. And uh, the, the parent brought the child to him and said, your disciples couldn't cast him out. And Jesus said, and this is what it says, Jesus was like, "Ah, oh, how much longer do I have to be with you people? I mean, that's what he was saying. Surely he was discouraged at that point. And, of course, the night of uh, before his execution in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, my soul is troubled to the point of death. So know that Jesus understands. He has experienced it like I experienced it, except a thousand times more. What else can we do about it? Take a nap. I'm glad you laughed. That was supposed to be funny. (laughs) Take a nap. What I mean by that, is uh, those of you that, uh, Dave and others that work in the medical field, you know the, the symbiotic relationship there is between our soul and our spirit and our body. Every physician, whether they're an MD or whether they're a psychologist or psychiatrist, knows the intertwined interrelationship between our souls and our bodies and our spirits. It, it's true. And uh, in the same way that your soul, the condition of your soul, can impact your physical health, so can your physical health impact your mental state. And when I say take a nap, here's what I mean by that. In Genesis 2, it says, And on the seventh day God finished His work He had done, and He rested. He rested from all this work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because God rested from all this work that He had done in creation. He didn't bless the first day, or the second, or the third, or the fourth. He didn't even bless the sixth day when He created mankind. He blessed the seventh day, the day that He rested. He was, that was His holy day. Jesus said, if you remember, the Sabbath was not made for man. I'm sorry. Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Also in Mark 6, Jesus and his disciples were ministering to the crowds, and Jesus said to his disciples, "Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest awhile. For many were coming and going and they had no time even to eat." Speaking of eating, the next point Get a snack. <laughs> Glad you're laughing. What I mean by that is eat healthy and eat. Make sure that, you're, that your body is tended to as far as your, your, your nutritional needs are concerned. Proverbs 24, my son, eat honey. It's good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Eat a good meal and enjoy it. When Elijah fled from Jezebel, remember that uh, he had killed the prophets of Baal and Jezebel had uh, said, you're a dead man, and he took off and he ran. And the scriptures say that he found a broom tree and he laid down and he went to sleep. He took his nap. And an angel came and touched him, woke him up and said, get up and eat. And he looked, and there at uh, his head uh, was a cake that had been baked on uh, hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate, and he drank, and he went back to sleep. Right. It's a man after my own heart. <laughs> so the angels shook him awake a second time and said, Get up and eat and drink, for the journey is too far for you. And so the Scriptures say that he got up, he ate, he drank, And he went 40 days in the strength of that food. So stay healthy. Tend to your physical health. Next, shed, abandon your unrealistic expectations. Shed your unreal expectations. Matthew 6, familiar passage says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Um, One of my favorite books of the Bible is the uh, book of Proverbs. Um, I love Proverbs because it's such a direct truth. It's little nuggets of of super concentrated, power-packed truth. And Proverbs is binary. It, it, it divides, it demands a verdict. It says, it's either this or it's this. I love Proverbs. And uh, as I was telling the elders on the elders retreat, I'm accustomed to making up my own. Um, as I just experience life and as I just uh, just live my life, I'll, 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 I'll notice some truth and I'll just make up a proverb. Um, for myself, so that I can remember that truth. Now, my proverbs obviously do not rise to the level of inspired scripture, so that they're 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 just mine. But let me let me quote from you from First Paul one one. <laughs> if 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 your um if your hopes and dreams, as I referred to earlier, are born of your flesh, if they are not what God has for you. If they are born of your flesh, then here's your proverb. Crush your dreams before they crush you. Shed your unrealistic expectations. Next, proactively seek out and embrace good news. Not just the good news, certainly the good news, but good news. Proverbs 25, 25 says, Like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a foreign land. The application of this is, uh, I don't know if you guys ever watch the news, read the news online, whatever, but the mainstream media is not really known to uh, promote good news. What makes headlines is bad news. And generally speaking, the, the further you get away from local, you know, there's local, state, national, and international. The further you get away from local, the worse it is. I almost never see any good news, any good international news. Almost never. But I would encourage you, if you, if you read the news like I do, look for the good news. Go after it. Read some good news. Read some good stories, some encouraging stories. Colossians 4, Paul says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant of the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Seek out good news. Another thing we can do, as we are this morning, is to gather with the people of God. Romans 15, 30-32, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed by your company. Gather with the people of God and be refreshed in the company of your brothers and your sisters. Another thing that we can do is to encourage one another. Proverbs twelve twenty five: anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down but a good word makes it glad. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Acacius, because they have made up for your absence. For they have refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. 2 Corinthians 7, 13, Therefore we are comforted, And besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you. Second Timothy 1, Paul says, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he has often refreshed me. In Philemon, in the introduction, Paul says to him, I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you. And certainly if there's any book in the New Testament about encouragement, it's First Thessalonians. You should read it. Chapter 4, Paul says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will all be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. In chapter 5, he says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So that whether we are alive, uh, awake, or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. And then also in chapter 5 he says, As we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. And finally... Last point, and I'm done. Stare at glory. Second Corinthians, the passage Mark read, 4, 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, Momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You know, you could even say it, say it this way. For this light, momentary affliction is the preparation for our eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. The things that are seen have an expiration date. The things that are not seen last forever. Stare at glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the capital E encourager. We thank you for the encouragement of your word, of your truth, We ask, Father, I ask, that you would teach us to encourage one another. And when we are discouraged, that you would encourage us. We need you always, Father, and we stare at your glory. In the name of your Son, and for his glory, and the glory of his kingdom, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.